0: Find a
1: location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us.
0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and NA, member FDIC. The biggest night in Bellator history killer. is here. The featherweight title rematch between new division king, A.J. Mercenary McKee, and former champ, Patricio Pitbull. Plus the light heavyweight grand prix final, champion Vadim Nemkov versus top contender Corey Overtime Anderson. This game time, baby. It's a Bellator blockbuster. Friday, April fifteenth, live on Showtime. April sixteenth. Yeah, no One of the top pound for pound fighters on the planet, Move. undefeated world champion Errol Spence Jr. takes on title holder Your Ugas. hot off a career defining win. Oh! One epic stage, two dominant champions, three world titles on the line. Time to put up or shut up. Spence vs. Ugas for the Unified Welterweight World Championship, Saturday, April 16th, live on pay-per-view. All right, here we go. it's the last stand and here is your host brian custer that's right it is the last stand we bring you the biggest names in the sport when you talk about the welterweight division our guest is at the top he's the unified champion i'm talking the wbc the IBF welterweight champion of the world. He's known as the truth. Errol Spence Jr. joins us here on The Last Stand. he <laughs> has been a while. Welcome back to The Last Stand. How you feeling today, man? I'm <laughs> <Yeah>, in. <mean. laughs> I'm not going to lie. My yeah, shoulder is really sore. <laughs> this is sore. This is sore. The one thing I wasn't anticipating, right here is sore.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah the punches oh, yeah. right there hurt. Yeah, 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 Those the hurt there. Hey, man, it's all good, man. (laughs) Just imagine, though, you had to come the next day, then the next day, then the next day, and then keep coming and working out and (laughs) and training hard.
0: Let's talk about the big one because in April, Showtime pay-per-view, you're back, taking on your Dennis Ugas. He's got the other belt, the WBA belt. When you step in the ring with Ugas, what kind of fight are you expecting? All action, chess
1: match? i say when we start, I think it'll be a chess match, um, you know. I think he's a thinker, but in the later rounds, you know, you get the ball rolled and he starts to fight. Um, I see with the Sean Porter fight, you know, it was more kind of a chess match that he was trying to do. And then it just broke out into a fight with the Pacquiao, it was more of a chess match on his part. I think for me, I'm going to use a chess match. I'm going to try to box him, use my jab and, you know, try to use our game plan and then it might turn into a fight where we're both in there toe-to-toe and, you know, we're going to war. So it's going to be a great fight. Yeah. Ugas has thrived on fighting top-level
0: opponents on short notice and getting the victory. Now he gets a full camp to prepare for Errol Spence Jr. So tell me why Errol Spence Jr. is going to win this fight.
1: I just feel like I'm a better fighter all around. I mean, even who, who do he beat short notice?
0: Well, you. Pac- Pacquiao. Yeah,
1: he
0: he took out Pacquiao on short notice. Even the the Sean Porter fight. I mean, and there's a number of people thought he should have won that fight. Yeah, that they, they didn't count the knockdown there. Yeah, uh, and then the fight before that, he he took on short. So it's like he he fights these top level guys on short notice and generally comes out victorious.
1: Yeah, I think with the I mean the Sean Porter fight, um, it could have went either way. I I thought Ugas edged it out. Um, with the Pacquiao fight, you know, he was already training for that fight, you know, to be on my undercard. And then once I dropped out, you know, he just, feel, he feel dead. So, I mean, he definitely did his thing with Pacquiao, even though I think Pacquiao was, you know, shelling himself in that fight. And I felt like that was my, you know, basically not coming out party, but that was like my basically, I was going to become that, you know, superstar. It was kind of like how Terry Norris when he beat Sugar Ray Leonard. And then, you know, the notoriety came and he became, you know, that guy. So I think that's when I was going to become that guy. It was like when fought Oscar De La Hoya, you know, he transitioned to that guy. So I think that was mine And then, you know, the eye injury. So Ugas took my spot and basically, you know, beat him. So, you know, I feel like, you know, for me, I found a like better fighter. I think I, I got the better skills. I got the better, better talent. And, um, you know, I got the better coach. and we're over the with a great, great game plan and strategy. And I think, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be, I'm going to have the victory. Mm.
0: After uh, you beat Danny Garcia, you said the following, quoting you. I was 75 to 80 percent and rusty. Um, that was nearly 14 months after your car accident. And then you said a lot happened uh, even in this camp.
1: What happened? Oh man, I was I was really just banged up, you know, from from the accident. I mean, when you get into a, a car accident and then you know you get thrown from the car, you know, thirty feet in the air and land on you know solid concrete. Concrete, I mean, you know, it's going to be a lot of you know different complications and things like that. Even you know me going to Cleveland Clinic and you know getting fully evaluated. And uh, they told me I can continue with my boxing career. You know, it was just you know a lot of still I had a lot of nags and different pains, you know, in my body. But you know, it's the fight I wanted. You know, I didn't want a tune-up fight. I didn't want somebody that I know I could beat. I wanted somebody who's gonna make me you know raise my game to the next level to have to beat Danny Garcia. So that's what I did. But you know, it was just a lot of stuff going on. Just coming back, I think a little bit too soon, but, you know, just believing in myself and my abilities and and knowing that, you know, I could beat Daddy Garcia. And, um, you know, that's what I did. And so
0: if that happened, it was 14 months after the accident, and you said, look, I was rusty. When we see you fight Ugas, it's going to be nearly a year and a half since we've seen you in the ring, and you're coming off eye surgery. Why should we believe we're going to see the best of Errol Spence Jr.?
1: Because, I mean, I've been training hard. I mean, anybody who watched me spar, watch me train, you know, they know I've been hundred percent focused, you know, since I have recovered from my eye injury, I've been in the gym, been training, been standing in shape, you know, doing everything, leaving none st- no stones unturned, you know, for this fight. And, you know, as you see for the Daniel Garcia fight, like I wasn't, i say I was 75, 80%, but I still gave it up my all. I still was an entertaining fight and I still came home with the victory, three and uh, I put on an amazing show, an amazing performance, you know, against a world champion like Danny Garcia, former world champion. So, you know, same thing with Ugas. I think Ugas is gonna bring out the best of me. He's a guy, he's not really a boxer. Um, I, th- I think he's a guy that's, he's patient, but, you know, he always presses forward. He always presses the action, so I think you know, that's going to make fireworks because if you know me, you watch me fight, you know, I'm not the guy that really get pushed around or like to get backed up or let somebody take the momentum away from me. So it's going to be a very entertaining fight and I think it's going to be fireworks and um, even if I'm at 90 percent, it's going to be fireworks and it's going to be a great entertaining fight and I'm going to give them all. Any doubts, uh, even coming off the eye surgery? Uh, no, no doubts at all. I mean, like I said, I've been sparring. I've done 12 rounds, you know. Some point I've done 13 rounds before, you know. I think I hit in his eye, I got hit in the other eye, you know, with flush shots and, you know, nothing happened. So I'm pretty sure that it's going gonna, it's gonna to hold up against uh, Ugas. When,
0: uh, and we I remember talking with Derek about this, and he, he said he even remember in camp when you were getting ready for Pacquiao and you had taken a shot and you're like, oh, ah. It messed with your eye, but you just kept on smiling. Did you know then that maybe you had a problem? And and when you got the, the notice right before the fight, like, hey, you're going to need surgery, what went through your mind? Like, you're thinking, man, I just went through this accident. Now this?
1: No, nah, I didn't know. I didn't know I had a retina tear, but I do remember when it happened because when the guy hit me, like I felt like a little, I heard a little pop. And then I, I went back to the corner, like man, my eye or whatever. Derek looked at my eye, things like that. And then I actually came back out there and sparred like four or five more rounds. And then two days later, I had sparred again. And then it was I had to go to the to the to the eye doctor to do my exams and stuff like that. So I went to the eye doctor. He looked in there and he was like, he was like, man, something going on with your eye. I can't really tell right now because I ain't got the. Um, the stuff to really just look deep inside your eye, but it's something going on in there, and then you go see an eye specialists or whatever. And then even even like before that, like when it happened after my spar, I did see a little shadow up mm-hmm. there, but I didn't want to say nothing. I didn't want to say nothing because I'm like, man, if I say something, you know, they might, you know, get me out of the fight or say I can't fight or something like that. So I'm just gonna like. <laughs> not everything say. was good. Yeah, everything was good. Like I said, I went to go see the eye doctor, and I was just like, he was like, "Do you see like a little shadow to your your far your far left?" I'm like, I mean, I see a little something, but there ain't nothing too crazy. Yeah. Like it's not disrupting my vision or yeah. whatever. And then he was, he was like, "All right, I'm gonna give you this." Um, he gave me something to go see an um, eye specialist or whatever, but I actually didn't go. We went to to Vegas and went to go see the um, I think it was the commission's doctor. I went to go see the commission doctor, and the commission doctor looked at my within two minutes or a minute. He was like, "I got some good news. I got some bad news." He was like, "The bad news is there's no way you can fight." He was like, "The good news is, I mean, it's partially detached, so I mean they can put it back on, but you know, there's no way you can be able to fight." And I was like, "So I can't have this, even if I don't spar anymore." because I got one more week to the fight, and if I don't spar no more or anything, I said, "Can I can I still fight?" He said, "I I was like, you know, I'm, not, I'm trying to like get the eye move around, do what I got to do, you know. I just want to fight." Mm-hmm. And he was like, "You're gonna lose." He's like, "You you lose. You might. It's a possibility. You might lose your eye." He's like, "I can't let you fight." And I was like, <laughs> in my head, you know, I'm just being, you know, dumb. I'm just like, man, I got another, eye.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I got another eye. <laughs> I got
1: <laughs> I got two eyes. Like I can see how both eyes, you know, fine. You know, I, you know, i will be good. You know, he was like, nah, there's, there's no way I can let you fight. And wow. Then, you know, th- looking back at it now, you know, I'm glad I didn't, you know, take the fight because that could have been, you know, my last fight, and that could have, you know, messed me up permanently. So, you know, it was a good thing. You know, stuff happened for a reason and things like that. So. Basically, couldn't have had a fight, so I flew back to Dallas. Um, had my eye surgery immediately, and I uh, had to sit out for like rest for like five weeks. I know a lot of stuff like you do with your eyes. Like even like when you do, lifting weights, you know it takes you know eye stress, mm-hmm. or when you run is eye stress and things like that. So I couldn't do nothing more. Just walk, and basically. They you know, I couldn't even lift up heavy stuff, anything like that. Like I could just walk. So after the five, six weeks of, you know, just being, uh, you know, just resting, you know, I started working out and I've been working out ever since then.
0: Wow. Um, can you give me, and you remember just your thoughts, cause you felt like that was going to be a legacy fight for you. What was your emotions, you know, when you got that word and he said, Hey, look, you know, can't fight. You're not going to have to have surgery. You could possibly lose your eye. Just your emotions.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely mad. I, you know I was like, Damn, man, like, you know, this was like, basically, you know, my, you know, my, you know, Ray Leonard, when Terry North fought Sugar Ray Leonard, like, when Floyd fought De La Hoya, like, you know, this was basically my coming out, basically my crossover, mm-hmm. my crossover appeal, because that's what, you know, Pacquiao brought, you know, he's a, he's an icon of the sport, I and mean, everybody knows, knows Pacquiao. You know, so that was basically, you know, my coming out and, you know, for that to happen, I was like, man, you know, then at some point, you know, I, I was just like, fuck it, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it is what it is, you know, stuff happened for a reason, you know, can't dwell on it too much, you know, just got to get back in here and stay focused and, um, you know, I get the winners and I actually watched the, you know, packing, I fight. I was like, you know, watching Pacquiao fight, I was like, man, <laughs> that should have me. Yeah, I could have hurt this <laughs> yeah, guy. Yeah, <laughs> I, like, I could have hurt this man. I was like, damn. <laughs> I was just like, you know, like, it is what it is, man. Did,
0: um, did it hurt you that immediately once you had to pull out a fight, there were a number of people. Got on social media, and was like, he just didn't want to fight Pacquiao. He's not really hurt. There were a number of guys who even questioned, even people who were fighters, former fighters uh, came out and questioned whether or not your eye injury was, was serious.
1: Ah, oh, yeah, yeah. For me, like, you say former father, like Bernard Hawkins. Yes. Yeah, he came out and said, I'm like, what, like, what are you talking about? Like, why would I potentially, the? that was the biggest money fight, you know, I had, you know, so many endorsements for that fight and things like that, and I'm gonna put out that fight, making all that money, the notoriety, the popularity out of the game, just for winning that fight. and probably would've transitioned me into a, you know, a bigger star than I am. And I'm gonna pull out that fight a week before the fight. You know, why, why would I do that? You know, just for having people to question me. And then, you know, his fighter, you know, drop out of fight and I'm like, why don't you question him about it? And then, you know, he didn't say nothing about that, you know? So it was just crazy to me having people, especially people who, it was crazy having people who boxed before, you know, telling me that I put out a fight, especially a fight of that magnitude. That's like Bernard Hawkins putting out a fight, you know, a week before he had to fight De La Hoya. you know, people have been like, oh, you put out that fight? But I mean, you crazy about that. That's a life-changing fight for me. Why would I pull out that fight, you know? So for me, that was, that was crazy that he even, you know, said something like that. You know, I could see people who never boxed before or. You know, you got hecklers or people that, you know, trolls that, you know, on Twitter, Instagram, social media say little stuff. Oh, he put out a fight on purpose. He didn't want to fight Pac-Man. But for somebody, you know, that, you know, who I held in high regard, like Bernard Hawkins to say something like that. I was like, why would he say something like that? When have I ever put out a fight? When have I ever missed way for a fight, you know? So it was, it was was it was kind of crazy to me, but, you know. It is Comes it. with it. Yeah.
0: Um, since the accident, you have really been on this. I don't want tune ups. Um, I don't want lesser opponents to fight. I want nothing but the elite opposition.
1: Why? I don't believe in tune ups. I mean, <clears throat> I feel like you know my pedigree. I feel like I'm the I'm the best fighter, especially at 147. I'm the best fighter in the world. And um, I already wasted enough time. So there's no time to waste. Why would I waste you know, fighting a tune-up and I already know I can beat him. You know, I got better Spawn partners than, than a tune-up. They give me real fights, you know, bigger guys and things like that. So I'm gonna waste, you know, my time and other people's money for a tune-up fight and nah, give me you know, give me somebody who can really fight, somebody who has a name, who has the same status and somebody, you know, I can beat him and be like, man, that that's a tough fight. Like Ugas, people are like, man, he coming off a two, two year, a uh, year layoff, a year and a half layoffs to fight. Ugas, like Ugas a tough fighter. He just beat, you know, the biggest, the biggest fight of his career, Pacquiao, you know, he has the belt, he's hungry. And, um, you know, he's coming to fight Uga's, man, that's that's big and I want, that's what I want. I want to fight. If I'm fighting on Showtime, per View, why would I fight, you know, Joe Blow or, you know, somebody I post a knockout. You know, that will get me really the ambition to train harder. Mm. You know, if I hit somebody like Uga's who's hungry and I look in his eyes and, you know, I don't see fear. You know, for me, that makes me train harder. That makes me more focused. That gets me more pumped up and make sure like, I stay on my P's and Q's so, this guy's not playing with me. He's not a opponent. He's not somebody that I could just walk over. He's somebody that, you know, I hit him in the mouth. He's going to try to hit me in the mouth back. So that's somebody that, you know, that I really want. I want somebody who's going to raise my game. And actually, when I wake up in the morning, I'm like, you know, I got to put these mouths in. I got to train 100% because this guy really going to fight.
0: Thus how big fish, oh, yeah. would, you came up with big fish now. The biggest. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, I, I thought you said something that was really uh, profound at the, at the press conference for this fight. You said nobody appreciates life like a man who has cheated death. Explain that.
1: Well, uh, I want to say cheated death because I feel like, like I said, everything happens for a reason. You know, so I wouldn't say cheated death at all. I feel like you know I'm here for a reason, and I feel like when you get something almost taken away from you, you know it makes you respect it more, and it, it gives you just give you a new sense. It gives you a new sense of worth, and uh, you know basically boxing gave yeah, it gave me a new sense life life and boxing a new sense of worth because, you know I I'm not gonna lie at some point you know especially in boxing like I was like you know. I wouldn't go into the gym probably for like two months or sometimes training. And then I get in training camp and I got lose, you know, 30 pounds and, you know, it's even harder, you know, you have to lose weight and get in shape at the same yeah. time, you know, especially so, you know, with that, you know, I wasn't in the gym 24 seven, I wasn't, you know, fully a hundred percent focused. And I feel like boxing is a, it's 365 days, you know, it's a 24 seven grind, you know, it's every day. And, um, you know, I wasn't living like that. I wasn't doing it every day, but, you know, once the car accident, you know, happened, it kind of like, hey man, you almost lost this. Cause, you know, even like Al and Autumn, it was like, you know, they weren't sure that I was gonna box again, especially, you know, them hearing about the accident then them coming down and, you know, seeing me, they was like, yo, this dude ain't, and boxing again or putting in any more gloves, anything like that. And, you know, I've seen people on Twitter talking about, I'm a shell of myself and, you know, I won't be the same or, you know, there's no way he'll beat, you know, Danny Garcia. And I'm like, okay, yeah, this is going to make me train harder more focused. Like, even like with Ugas, you know, I see people, you know, saying little things, saying, oh, you know, even, you know, with the eye injury, he's going to make him more timid or, you know, he's not gonna fight the same or it's this and that, this and that, this and that, and I'm just putting it all in my brain, cackling it. like, okay, it's like we gonna see like keep saying it, keep saying I'm screenshotting everything, I'm just putting it in the folder, just just looking at it. Motivation, 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 motivation. You know, I eat it all up. So, you know, I use that motivation, I don't use it as, you know, as oh, uh, I let them put me down and stuff like that. I use that motivation, like, okay, now I'm gonna grind, I'm gonna train harder, I'm gonna be more focused and I'm gonna prove you wrong. And, you know, I might get on Twitter and say something to you. <laughs> yeah, you are a good read and yeah. a good follow on Twitter. Yeah, got to I Yeah, I might get on Twitter after the fight to say something to you. Just like when George Foreman had said, it was George Foreman and Ray Leonard, they said Mike Garcia was gonna we'll beat, beat you. you. Yeah. Yeah. I, Ray actually apologized to me. <laughs> he was like, man, my bad, you know, saying that. He was like, that's the same thing. That's kind of, I understand it's kind of the same thing. If not Ali would have said Marvin Hagler would have beat me and things like that, or somebody would have determined would have be beat me, I would have felt the same way. And I was like, you know, apologies to Seth, you know, yeah. I appreciate that. But, like, you know, when George Foreman item was just coming out saying Mikey was going to beat me, I was like, man, what? <laughs> <laughs> I got <a> trivia. <laughs> <laughs> especially when, like, Ray Lennon said, yeah. i was like, Ray. That was your guy. Yeah, yeah that, that was my guy. I'm like, Ray, you saying that? <laughs> this dude's going to beat me, yeah, man. That yeah. was like somebody saying, you know, like his his idol was saying, oh, man, ring going to wash him. And right. He was like, yeah, nothing for Roberto Duran, you know, he would have felt some type of way about that too. Absolutely. You know, I you know, felt some type of way about that because, you know, I look up to Ray, Ray yeah. Leonard, like, you know, he's one of the GOATs. So for him to say that, that was bad. It wasn't, I didn't really too much care about Jules Foreman. It was just more, you Ray. Know, yeah, Ray saying- And know. I remember when we
0: had Ray on the last stand, I remember you you sent me a thing and said, because uh, Ray said, "Hey, I love Errol Spence. He is—he's probably the top guy." And you—I remember you sending me a response like he didn't say
1: that uh, in that Mikey Garcia yeah, fight. Yeah, like I don't, I don't let that kind of stuff go. Like I, you know I read everybody's stuff. I read everybody's stuff. I see it. You know, I just use it as motivation. You know, it's never gonna—it's never gonna not make me do something or not make me less less focused. It's gonna give me more focus and more hungry and more dedicated. So. I use it all this fields. I'm never gonna knock you for saying, you know, something bad about me because it's more motivation for myself. So. Got it.
0: Do you have an explanation for uh, how you're sitting in front of me, talking about another major fight, still being unbeaten, yet you've gone through a major car crash and had eye surgery, and still here on top?
1: Uh, you feel like this guy's playing, you know. <clears throat> um, I don't really have an explanation for it because, you know, I can't, you know, it was it was out of my control, you know, the car accident, you know, out of my control, me surviving, you know, out of my control, you know, even the eye surgery, you know, that was out of my control, you know, it could have been Korean and both of them could have been Korean, but I mean, I think God gave me the will, you know, the power, the focus and the determination to bounce back from it all. You know, I didn't go through physical therapy when I got into my car accident, anything like that. You know, it was basically, you know, on my own, me walking, you know, me stretching by myself and me going to the gym. So no physical, you did everything on your own. I didn't do no physical therapy. Me going to the gym and uh, hitting the bag, you know, arms hurting, the shoulders hurting, you know, in pain. Uh, Me walking up the steps sometimes, walking out. I I lived on a 24th floor, 24th floor so. I walked up a lot of times by myself, you know, just, you know, it was just the grind, man. Just motivation, just, you know, having my family take care of me, my girlfriend, my mom, my dad, you know, Jordan, you know, my sisters, you know, my kids, just seeing them every day. It was a motivation to keep striving and um, giving them more and me wanting more, too.
0: It's like it seems like your life is totally different now. You know, you unified champ. You're living in downtown Dallas, just high <laughs> rise, right? Yeah. Now I'm looking at you, you're <laughs> on a ranch, you know, you've got acres upon acres, you got goats and cows, and it, how has your lifestyle changed since you've made this change here, the way you live?
1: Um, it was kind of 360, I mean, you know, I was staying in high rise, you know, I had a Ferrari, you know, things G wagon, things like that. You know, just driving different cars and stuff. And you know, I feel like I need to change. You know, can't do the, keep doing the same thing over and over and over. You know, so um, I need to change. Need something different. Need a peace of mind. You know, tired of just seeing people every day, having to go in the elevator, go up, and you know, see different people downstairs and stuff like that. I just wanted to be, you know, serenity. You know, by myself, peace of mind, and. Quietness. So um, I did hire really to you know, they were trying to give me houses in Frisco and all that with neighbors and things like that. And I just went on Zillow, the Zillow app, and I was just searching myself late at night, just on there searching myself and then looking for land and property and stuff. And then I don't know why, but I just stopped at this property and I looked at it, I was like, man, I want to live out right here. And I ain't never fooled with horse before, I never fooled with cows, chickens, goats. <laughs> None of that before, just dogs. <laughs> so um, I was like, I told my mom, I was like, I want to go look at that property. So I went out there and looked, and then went out there a second time and looked, and I was like, you know, I want it. She was like, you, sh- you sure? I was like, yeah, I want it, you know? So, you know, got the property, you know, and just been out here, man, just been a peace of mind or something different, you know, um, you know, with a high rise, your kids can go outside and play they can't run around, you know, they got to stay inside the high rise and just watch TV. But out here, you know, they go outside, do what they want to do, run around, play, you know, just be kids. You know, and that's why I want. I want to show them something different and um, give them something different, too. You know, after I leave, you know, I give them something that I can pass down to them. So, you know, that to me is a lot to me, too, especially it gives me something to do, too you know, feeding the horses, um, riding the horse. and never rode a horse before until after my accident, you know, very therapeutic for myself, you know, different peace of mind, you know, just being around animals and them not talking because you get around people they just talk too much, want to talk about, you know, boxing and other things. And a lot of my friends know that's one thing that, you know, that I hate to talk about, you know, I hate to talk about boxing. We just sitting there, I don't want to talk about boxing. You know, I may talk about a couple of fights, but after that, I want to talk about you know something else and do something else. I don't want to sit around and talk, just talking about boxing all day. Like you look at my house, I don't have, um, I, I have no boxing pictures, you know, in my house. You know, I got boxing pictures out here, but in my house, I have no boxing pictures at all.
0: That's that's funny. What do you think people are gonna say when they see you feeding goats, <laughs> uh, see you feeding chickens, riding horses? They're gonna be like. This is the unified champ of the world. This guy's more like the J.R. Ewing of Dallas now. (laughs) He's living on our country ranch. What do you think they're gonna say when they see this side of you?
1: Um, I think they're gonna say, you know, it's more reserved. I mean, I could be, you know, driving a Lambo or another Ferrari or, you know, doing what everybody else doing. Everybody else been doing, you know, living in a high rise, buying a big, you know, mansion big house and, you know, standing in there and basically become the slave to my money, you know, but I'm not, you know, I'm out here, you know, it's more therapeutic for me, you know, being out here with the horses and the chickens and the goats and I don't really fool with the cows. I let my dad fool with the cows. Because <laughs> <laughs> actually a bull charged me one time. He <laughs> charged me Ed, and I, I stopped fooling after that. Because <laughs> I was playing with the bull. I don't know why, Why I was playing with it. Then like charged at me, and then like I tried to run, but I feel fail. <laughs> I failed, man. <laughs> like one of the people out the movie, I was like, "Man," I was like, "But the bull had stopped though," and I was like, I'm like, "I ain't pulling with these bulls and cows no more." Stop messing, <laughs> my dad it down. Okay. But the, you know, just being out here with the horses and chickens and it's, it's super therapeutic for myself, especially after the accident. Just being there with them, just petting them, you know, learning how to ride the horses and. You know, I feed the goats. I got a, actually got a baby goat. Still got a big hoard and everything. And I bottle feed it like three, four times a day, and um, you know that's therapeutic too for myself. So I mean, it's helping me, helping me, you know, mentally, you know, and uh, keeping me stable and stuff like that. So you know, how's it change you as a fighter? Um, it ain't really changed me as a fighter. Okay. You know, I am still. a I'm still, a, you know, I'm still sad. So. Yeah, 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 you are in the ring, yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it still hasn't changed me as a fighter at all, but it has probably made me more patient. Mm. But as an aspect of how I fight, it hasn't changed me at all.
0: Now, listen, one thing that I know about you, and you've always told me this, is that you want to be, especially in this, this era, yeah. uh, the four belt era, you want to be the first undisputed welterweight champion of the world. You've always told me that. That means you would have to beat Douglas, get that belt. And you know, that also means that you would have to get the other belt and that's the belt that belongs to Terrence Crawford. Yeah. Um, Now that he's broken away with top rank, do you think that's an easier fight to be made in that it's a fight that we'll see probably at the
1: end of the year? It should be, I mean, it's something that, you know, that I'm definitely looking forward to and it's something that you know, I'm willing to work towards to, and you know, after I get past Ugas, you know, it could be it could be an easy fight to make. You know, it just depends on you know stipulations between me and him. You know, I'll bend, but I'm not gonna break. You know, I'll take off my coat, but I you know I'm not gonna give it to you. So, I mean, I think you know if it could happen. And I'm looking forward for that fight. I think it's a legacy fight for him and myself. And it's a great fight, I think, you know, it really, I don't think, it's really what the people want. The people want their fight, you know, that's the fight that they really want. I think, you know, it can not happen. Mm.
0: Um. I know you once said, hey, look, if we fight, it's going to be either 70-30, 80 uh, Was that? Yeah, I was,
1: I was, when is I that said posturing that posturing or what was that? At the, when did I say that?
0: You know, that was
1: yeah I said it on on uh on my girl Instagram yeah. what's going but i was playing yeah okay. <laughs> <Hey, man, laughs> nobody taking no 80, 80-20, eighty twenty seven thirty yeah, yeah I was playing I was like because I was like it's gonna be sixty four and i was like yeah he keep he keep you know he keep playing crazy gonna be 70, 30, yeah. or yeah. or um or eighty 20. twenty but yeah. yeah i was man i was i was playing like i wouldn't i was serious yeah. about that man okay. Like, people can't take jokes, man. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't nothing towards it.
0: But despite you having most of the belts in the division, does it bother you at all in your core that you hear people say, and even some boxing experts say, yeah, but pound for pound, Terrence Crawford's probably the best welterweight and the most talented welterweight in the division.
1: Does that bother you at all? Nah, it really, really don't bother me. I mean, it all depends on, like I said, you know, who says it and stuff like that. But now it don't bother me because uh, cause I know, you know, who's the best welterweight. And, you know, I guess people say the eye test or whatever it is, they feel like he's the best welterweight. But nobody knows who's the best welterweight until we fight each other. So,
0: How has your relationship and your relationship with Derek James, how has that evolved?
1: Um, about a lot because at first me and Derek, we didn't talk to each other. I ain't talked to Derek um, when we first started training because I didn't want to train with him. And my dad actually paid me; it <laughs> was giving me money to train with him. So I started training with him. Then you know our relationship developed. You know, like because he used to be a fighter and stuff like that. So a lot of stuff he understands. So you know we're talking. Then we start talking about life and you know. Sometimes I, I start having kids and we start talking about kids and, you know, start other stuff. So he's going to live life. So it's getting that different perspective from him. You know, it means a lot to me and him just, you know, guiding me, you know, and he's just telling me different stuff and, you know, tell me what I, what to look for and, you know, what not to look for. And, uh, it might be somebody he's unsure of, you know, that he'll tell me about this one of my friends and, you know, so like, hey man, you know, watch that person, you know, so you know, I take heed and take warning. Especially, I take counsel to you know older people, especially you know when they telling me something because you know they didn't they didn't walk before mm-hmm. and they didn't in the same shit that you know I'ma step in. So, or and they telling me, hey, watch out for that shit right there. Yeah, you gonna step in it, step around it. So, you know, it means a lot. You know, when older people just you know tell me different stuff and just you know, make sure that I'm right. It means that, you know, they really care for me and they're not looking at their own interests and benefits. You know, I thought it was interesting
0: because, you know, when we talked with him, he he said the same thing. He said, you know, he started training you when you were a teenager Mm -hmm. and he said the same thing. He said, I don't think he talked to me for the first couple of years. Mm -hmm. I said, really? He said, yeah, his father was paying him to come train. And he said that. So I would ask him questions like, hey, did you watch that fight? Yes. (laughs) Yes. He said that was the level of our conversation. Mm -hmm. And then he said eventually he started to open up and and he said, but yeah, as the years have grown, it's been more like big brother, little brother. And he goes, I I truly care for him. He said, now I'm still his coach, but he knows Mm -hmm. that I truly care for him. And you, you always see how sometimes those relationships go awry. But it just seems like yours has always gotten stronger.
1: Oh, yeah, because I mean, I'm an introvert, introverted person, you know, just naturally anyway. So, you know, it's going to take me some time to warm up to you and things like that. But once I warm up to you and once I start talking to you, and especially if I'm calling or texting you and things like that, you know, it means, you know, we locked in. So, you know, I'm not going to do anything that's going to abuse our relationship. And I hope that you won't do anything to abuse the relationship because I'm going to take it, you know, I take it, you know, I'm strong about, you know, my emotions towards, you know, somebody that I'm super cool with. So and uh, with Derek, you know, he's just been, you know, a super big brother to me, like just telling me different things and making sure that I'm on the right track and making sure that I'm not doing anything crazy or, you know, he try to, even with like Jamel, like he tell he tells Jamel the same stuff that he tells me, you know. I more take heed to it. Jamel Jamil take heed to it too, but he's more like he'll still throw it out the window because I guess he gets <laughs> so worked up in his emotions, because I'm not super emotional. Like some people be like, like, Al could tell me something, and i I, like, I can't tell if you're excited or not, because I am not the type of person to just be overjoyful or my voice changed or anything like that. I'm like even kill. You know, my model is never too high, never too low. Like I'm always, you know, at the same, at the same length every time, so. Listen, I know you're gonna be
0: biased, but I gotta ask you this question. In your opinion, is Derrick James best trainer in boxing?
1: I think so. Why? Um, It's just, you know, I feel like great training inside the ring. You know, he pay attention to details. Like, even with me like a lot of times i get frustrated and he don't mind you getting mad at him too because like a lot of times like you know i get mad at him or i used to get mad at him a lot like like keep your hands up and i'm like my hands are up he was like, i'm just reminding you just just in case you drop it i'm like man <laughs> or oh, he'll take me to jab or he'll take me to step to the side or it would be some days like we we'll do strength conditioning and then he was like why you not moving? Like I, I tell you to move on, like, we did strength addition on my legs, like, <laughs> my legs tired. like, can't expect me to keep moving and things like that. So for me, he always expects the the, the, the most, the most. you know, he always, you know, he wants top tier, you know, work, like, even with me and Jamel, like, like it, it been times me and Jamel been in training camp and I don't see Jamel, Jamel don't see me, like, he'll work out. Eleven, twelve. I work at two or three. You know, we don't run into each other. Nothing. He made sure we have our own times, and you know, he give us he give us our own. You know, the, the, for training camp, he gives our own time and everything like that. And just pay attention to details. You know, and um, you know, I just feel like he's the best because you know, him working for, with me from the ground up, even in the amateurs. You know, he changed my whole style. You see, in amateurs, I was always got that, you know move around the ring just do a one-two, you know, didn't really have an uppercut or hooks or anything like that. And he switched me all up to, you know, going to the body more and using my jab and being more fundamentally sound. Even with Jamel, he changed Jamel up. He made Jamel a knockout artist. <laughs> Jamel started, Jamel got with Derek and started knocking people out and, you know, having more power and, you uh, Believing in his defense more, and uh, just be- believing in his abilities more, and sitting down on more on his punches. And just looking at from that aspect, how he's changing fighters and, um, you know, making them better all around. Like even like Frank Martin, like Frank Martin, I think he's way more exciting now than he used to be. You know, he's sitting down on his punches more. He's getting more knockouts, and um, you know, he's just gonna get better and better. You know, as, as, you know, he start, keep working with Derek, you know, and keep improving. So I just feel like he's a better fighter. I mean, a better trainer because I feel like he's helped, he's helped us out tremendously. He changed my style, he changed the male style. You know, he changed the Frank Martin style a little bit. You know, he just tweaked little things that we need tweaking and um, just making a better fighter overall. We're talking with Derek,
0: he, he felt like, he said, I think I've been robbed a couple of times for trainer of the year. But it's conceivable, Errol. At the end of this year, he could have two undisputed champions in his stable. I don't think any trainer could say that. You know, what does that say about him? What does that say about the stable that you guys have put together?
1: Well, I don't say nothing about the stable we put together because I mean, you know, that's that's all that's all he's doing. You know, um, getting getting the fighters like Jamel came to me, you know and he asked me, he was like, hey man, you mind if I work with Derek?" I was like, nah, I don't mind at all. You know, so he started, he started working with Derek. but that says a lot about Derek, though, because, you know, he's um, becoming a coach with two undisputed champions, you know, that's huge. You know, I think, you know, if he does that, I think he should get the Coach of the Year Award for, you know, four years, <laughs> you know, just cause, just cause, yeah. just cause, you know, he had two undisputed champions, you know, in one year, you know, that's... That's unheard of. That's you know that's huge, especially in the four bill era. So I feel like they should give him him for ten years. You know, for a decade, and just leave it at that. Uh-uh. You get coach year for a decade, you good.
0: Um, I, I I gotta uh, ask you just about a couple of guys here. First of all, Mel. I mean, he's got an opportunity to become undisputed champion. Yeah. What do people not know about? I mean, they see Mel and they see uh, the boisterous boisterous side of Jamel Charlo, and mm-hmm. What do maybe they don't know about him as a fighter that you, you see in the gym all the time? They just see the outward stuff, the lines only, the flash, maybe him talking. But What did they not know about him that makes him on the verge of becoming an undisputed champion?
1: I mean, I think as a fighter, they, they, they I mean, you get what you see as a fighter. I mean, he's a guy. he got a great chin. You know, he always come to fight. You know, he always fights the best guys that's out in front of him. You know, I feel like a lot of people don't see, you know, he really is, you know, a good person. He ain't, you know, he might have crazy interviews and, you know, he's super emotional. He's gonna say whatever he gotta say. And I think, you know, he be having a lot of stuff built up. And he's the type of guy, you know, he reads all this stuff on Twitter and on social media and stuff, and he let it all out. Like as soon as he do an interview, like he's gonna let it out. Or he see a guy that was was talking drunk, an interviewer. You know, he was like, nah, I know you, you, was, you know, you was talking shit. You know, I ain't doing an interview with you. So, he's a guy that's super emotional. He's going to let his emotion out. You know, he wears emotion on his sleeve, you know. And that's, you know, with me, I'm not a guy that's, you know, super emotional. I can see somebody, you know, I might say something like, yeah, you 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 know you said such and such, but I'm not the type of guy that's just going to be, you know, boisterous about it or just be like, you said this, man, If you, this, and that, this, and that, you know. We just gonna let it out two different ways you know but i can't say you know he uses all that motivation to you know he might not like people talking about him but he uses all the motivation and i think you know he should keep that chip on the shoulder because you know i think it it propels him to be you know the best fighter that he is right now and it makes him you know a great fighter because it keeps him training hard keeps him focused keeps him hungry because he reads out his stuff and he's like, ah, right, you gonna say that bit. And it makes him mad and angry and it makes him want to train harder and, and it keeps him sharp and it keeps him focused. So I think, you know, he should keep doing what he's been doing because right now he's feeding his family, so.
0: That's his motto, keep running your mouth. Yeah, I, keep running and, your and mouth. That, exactly. <laughs> uh, another guy, you you mentioned him, Frank Mark. Um, he's under your banner because yeah. you're also a promoter. Oh, yeah. yeah, is, yeah. He, is this like the blue chip prospect that you got? in Frank Martin that you think can be the next big thing, especially at
1: 135? Oh, yeah, Uh, Frank Martin, he's he's the next one up. Like, I even tell him all the time, like, not all the time, but I, you know, I might text him or, you know, call him and just tell him, you know, stay focused because, you know, think about, you know, being a promoter, you know, I'm a boxer too, so I know what traps out here for us. So, you know, I might tell him, you know, stay focused, but stay hungry, you know, you ain't there yet, you know, even when you're there, you know, you want to stay at the top, you want to stay at the mountain top. Cause it's a, it's a, it's a long roll down, you know, if you fall. And there's always somebody thinking about it. when you at the top, there's always somebody, you know, looking, looking up at you. You know, not want to get to the spot where you ain't how people out there. So I was like, man, I'm always telling to stay focused, stay in the gym. And he actually keeps me in the gym. Cause when he in the gym, I'm in the gym and he sees that he see Okay, man, he's training. He's at the top, and he's still in the gym working hard. You know, sparring and you know, sweating. You know, sweat equity. So, I think you know, I think he can really do some damage at one thirty-five. I think you know, he can beat those guys at one thirty-five, as long as he keep his head on his shoulders. You know, stay focused, stay hungry, stay, stay dedicated. You know, he's the next best thing at one thirty-five.
0: What do you want people to know? About Errol Spence Jr. I always get the question, I don't know if he's still the same guy after this car accident and he's had this eye surgery. What do you want people to know about Errol's Sp- the truth?
1: Well, I mean, they should know from the car accident that, you know, I'm a guy that, you know, always gonna take the tough fight. I'm a guy that's gonna come to fight. And um, I'm gonna put on a great show and a great performance, and um, I'm gonna do it to the best of my ability. But um, you know, I don't if you haven't watched my fights, then I mean, it's not much to tell you about who I am. I mean, my my work proves that who I am, you know, when I fought Kell Brook and, you know, people say I come box, so I box Mikey Garcia. You know, people say, Oh, he's a shut himself. He that's it's too early to fight Danny Garcia. I fought Danny Garcia, you know, they said, Oh, he's gonna be timid and, you know, gunshot when he fight Ugas. You know, I'm showing them that I'm not, you know, so I'm not too worried about, you know, it's to prove that I am what I say I am when I get in the ring. So I'm not the guy that's gonna tell you, you know, I'm this, I'm that, I'm this, I'm that. I'm gonna poop about my action and my works, you know. I'm more worried about, you know, outside of the ring, you know. I'm more worried about my, you know, my three kids, you know, my daughter and my son, and, you know, make sure I provide for them. and. You know, people see, you know, I want to show a different, you know, perspective for athletes, you know, a lot of people think athletes, you know, jewelry, you know, cars and, you know, big houses and, you know, just splurging, just spending money uncontrollably, and you know, doing stuff like that. But, you know, that's not, you know, what I want to show my kids and things like that. I want to show my kids a different life where you know, being out the countryside, you know, on Saturdays my kids go out and feed the goats, you know, and feed the chickens and, you know, may pet the horses, you know. And then once they get old enough, I want to teach them, teach them, get somebody to teach them how to ride horses. And, and I'm going to build a paintball course out here. Um, I'm getting a pond built right now where I'm going to stock fish. And, you know, me and my son is going to be on a boat, you know, going fishing and things like that, so I want to show them a different way instead of, you know, going to the club. You know, that's cool sometimes, but not all the time. Go to the club and, you know, partying with friends and doing stuff like that, you know. I want them to have different hobbies and show them a different perspective out of life than, than just, you know, living, you know, that, I would say, you know, that that image of you know Floyd Mayweather, a lot of people don't see like that image of Floyd. A lot of people don't see how how hard Floyd worked. Like people see you know Floyd. Floyd show that side of the partying and the girls and the money and all that because that appeals people. That appeals people. It's just like flies and shit. You know, you lay shit out there. A fly gonna jump on A lot of flies gonna jump on with people. You know, money, cars, jewelry you know, the so-called, I guess, American dream, that appealed to people, that they're gonna, they're gonna flock to that. And that's what he did, you know, to draw the people in. That's why he became, you know, the biggest star in boxing. because of that, you know, you know, he set the goal. But yeah. for me, you know, you know, it's something different for me. You know, like I said, you know, I survived, you know, a, a career ending in an accident, uh, you know, a life ending in accident. And, you know, I just wanna show my kids something different, you know, Show my 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 nephew, my nieces, something different, and you know they can come out here anytime they want, and you know have fun, and you know do different things, and you know I gotta, and you know fish, and you know shoot guns, or whatever they want to do, they can do ride go karts, you know get on the four wheelers, and things like that. I just want to show them something different, a different way of life, and you know not set the Okay, this is what you're supposed to do and just set them in a box. Nah, outside the box, this is not what you're supposed to do. Do this and do that. So you won't have to worry about, you know, all the social media stuff. And, you know, you feel like you behind because you don't have this car. Or you feel like you're behind because you don't have this type of jewelry and these watches and... These chains and stuff like that, like nah, that's not it. Like I had, you know, I had a. In fact, I tell you a story. I had a rich. I bought a rich meal because everybody was talking about the rich meal. Like everybody, all the rappers getting rich meals, everything. So I got the rich meal. I said I had it for two weeks. I had it for two weeks, and I had the first week. You know, I was like, yeah, I got rich to this and that. How much that set you back? Uh, about three something. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, I got the red shirt, all that. And then like the next week, it was just sitting in the safe. <laughs> it was sitting in the safe. I'm like, man, I called my jeweler. Cause me and my jeweler got agreement. Like if I don't want something, you know, I just, you know, take it back. And you know, he gave me money for it, for what I paid for it. So I I sent it back, I sent it back to him. I went out there and sent it back to him. I was like, cause it just felt like the same, it just. It just got, like the high was gone. Yeah. Like me getting a Richard Miller, the high was gone from it. And I was just, I had it, I was like, man, I bought this bullshit. <laughs> I bought this bullshit, because basically, you know, all the rappers had yeah. it, you know, it was, you know, everybody was getting it, you know, who's who had it, yes. everybody had it. I'm like, man, I bought this for no reason. I could've bought, you know, I could've bought something else, yeah. you know, something that means something, something that, you know, that's a worthful value right. to myself. You know, not a watch. So, yeah. you know, it's just stuff like that. That, you know, like I got old schools now. You know, I got an old school Cheville. I got three old school Chevilles. And, um, you know, it's something I always wanted as a kid. Like I never wanted, as a kid, I never would for a Ferrari and all that. You know, I grew, you know, watching Deuce of Hazard and all that, the old school muscle cars, you know, and stuff. And that's the thing that I wanted, you know, so. You know, I, I fell back into that. You know, getting my muscle calculation collection of, kind of like how Rick Ross doing it, you know, <laughs> not to that scale, but you know, I'm doing it. So a more simple lifestyle. Yeah.
0: Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Brian Custer, and our new podcast partner is Athletic Greens. You know, I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted more energy, and I gotta say, I really love it. Uh, athletic Greens. It doesn't taste like it's super healthy. It has that really mild kind of tropical taste. And I'm telling you, you're going to like it. So what is Athletic Greens? But I'm going to tell you one delicious scoop of AG1. And you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day right. And it contains less than one gram of sugar. There are no GMOs. And no nasty chemicals or artificial anything at all while still tasting good. And it supports better sleep quality, recovery time, and also supports your mental clarity and alertness. AG1 is a small micro habit of big benefits. And it's the one thing you can do every single day to take care of yourself. And it's lifestyle friendly. So uh, whether you eat keto, paleo, you're vegan, you're dairy-free or gluten-free, and it costs you less than $3 a day. And additionally, for every purchase, uh, AG1 is donating to organizations to help get nutritious foods to kids in need. In fact, no kid hungry here in the U.S.? Well, in 2020, Athletic Greens donated $1.2 to kids. Now, look, we're going to make this thing simple because Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you've got to do is go to athleticgreens.com slash last stand. Again, athleticgreens.com slash last stand. Take ownership of your health and get yourself athletic greens. Um, Errol, you know, everybody uh, who comes on the show, we allow people to submit uh, questions through social media. Obviously, we got a lot of them for you, but we'll (laughs) we'll get through just a few here. The first one says, um, from Ignacio, he says, when will Frank Martin fight next? And will it be another step-up fight?
1: I don't know. It's something that we're working on right now, but he should be fighting around May or June. Okay.
0: Uh, Fish from Twitter asks, when will you fight Jerron Ennis?
1: Uh, I don't know. Um, you know, actually, I'm not one of those older guys that, you know, they get mad and stuff like that when I'm a mean, younger guy, you know, call him out. That's what he's supposed to do because if a dry Ennis or, you know, Virgil or cheese, I see he just recently called me out. Yeah. Uh, like, a lot of these young dudes didn't call me out. I think something wrong with them. Cause, you know, when I was young and I was coming up, like, man, I was calling out everybody. E <laughs> thirsty daddy shot, man, who wants smoke? <laughs> man, I was calling out everybody, like, man, who wants smoke, man? I don't care what y'all talking about. We we gotta fight. Yeah. So, you know, you know, I respect that because, you know, if they wasn't calling me out, they'd be like, oh, it's coming, or I'm not really worried about that fight. I I think something wrong with that. he not hungry. Yeah. I mean, he don't want it. You know, I I respect the young guys. Like, yeah, like he's the top dog. Like, yeah, I want him. You know, I'm gonna eat him. So, they watching every move. They watching every fight. Like, yeah, he he's slowing down a little bit. Yeah, I'm I'm catch him. So, you know, I respect that. So, I don't know when I'll fight Jerry and this will see. Okay.
0: Uh, Renee asks, how much longer do you see yourself boxing?
1: Maybe three or four years. Wow. It it just depends when the young guys start beating me. Somebody told me a long time ago when the young guys start beating you up, then you know it's it's your time to retire it's boring, yeah, it's boring <laughs> yeah. it's your time to retire when it, when you not when you see shots and you can't really react to 'em when you're caught with shots you shouldn't get caught with, and you know the guys that you've been beating up starting to catch you a little bit more and beat you up a little bit more, then it's time to hang it up so. When a young guy just starts beating me up and I'm start getting beat up a lot, then i just be like, "Yeah, I'm done Time to hang it up." So. Uh,
0: Texas from Twitter asks, uh, "When will we ever see an Errol Spence versus Virgil Ortiz a Dallas showdown at Cowboy Stadium?":
1: Uh, I don't know. I mean, where George, he's got to carry his own weight for it. I mean, Dallas Showdown. He, showdown, he talking about that. Um, what do you say at, at a Cowboy Stadium? It'll be a humongous fight. So, I mean, we'll see about that. I don't know yet. Next one from Twitter says: I got bigger fish to fry, man. Gotcha.
0: Uh, next one says: Is the plan to become undisputed and then move
1: up? Oh, that is definitely the plan. That's definitely the plan. I got. That's unheard of for a fighter to stay at a weight class, you know, his whole career. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Especially a big fighter like yeah. myself. So, you know, the plan is to definitely move up, you know, after I finish what I'm doing at 147. So
0: it, uh, we got a number of questions asking about Charlo. Would you ever see yourself fighting Charlo? But if that means you move up, wouldn't he have to move up, too? Yeah.
1: Because yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: you don't see yourself fighting Jamel Charlo, do you? No,
1: nah, I don't see myself fighting Jamel Charlo yeah. unless it's, you know, crazy amount of money, yeah. we gotta feed our families. Got it, interesting. That yeah. would be something there. Buddy. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what?
0: That put Derek in a hell of a predicament,
1: wouldn't it? <laughs> 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 but now, I, I don't see myself fighting Jamel, but it was, it was some money that, you know, like a crazy amount of money mm-hmm. that, you know, that could, you know, feed both our families. I don't see why not. I mean, basketball players, you know, play each other, you know, best friends, Um, like Isaiah Thomas and uh, Magic Johnson was best friends. They played each other, and they didn't cancel out, you know, uh, the game, the playoff game because they were best friends. Yeah. So even the football players, they played each other too, boxing a little bit more because, you know, we punched on each other, right. but, but I mean, if it's for the benefit of, you know, our family and stuff like that. I don't see why you know that couldn't happen. Well, it mean, won't be no black, bad blood with me. Right. I was gonna say I, I, we've
0: seen you know guys get a guaranteed thirty million yeah. and it plus the pay per view. Yeah. Yeah, that's got to be enticing. Um, uh, another one from Twitter says: Will we ever see Spence versus Thurman in the future? <laughs>
1: I don't know about that. Yeah, I don't know about that. But I wish him the best, though. (laughs) That sounds like a nice way of saying
0: no, huh? (laughs) There's just something about Keith Thurman with you, huh? I
1: don't know.
0: (laughs) Okay. here we go. Uh, Chuck, Chuck says uh, from Twitter, will we get Arrow versus Bud Next, for the love of God. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll see, man. We'll see.
0: <laughs> okay, Errol Spence, we've come to the last segment of the show. We call it the last thing. I'm just going to ask you a series of questions. Give me the first thing that comes to your mind. You ready? Mm-hmm. All right, here we go. Uh, when it comes to uh, the truth, is it the motto more man down or is it big fish?
1: Shit. I ain't man down nobody in the wild, so I guess it's more big fish. <laughs>
0: um, in your heart of heart, does Errol Spence really want to fight Terrence Crawford?
1: Uh, definitely.
0: Um, what's your ultimate goal in this sport before you hang him up?
1: To get the most out of it, um, become the best fighter that I know I can be and to leave this sport with my mind intact, you know, cause that's, you know, a lot of fighters, you know, you hear of, you know, a lot of these great champions that you hear of from back in the day, you know, you know, messed up, you know, dementia and, you know, just beat up, battered, you know, broke. And and they gave, you know, everything to this sport, you know, and I call this sport unforgiving because, you know, a lot of their money and you know finances, a lot of people took from them, and you know they basically have nothing. But you know they gave people the greatest and best fights, you know. And a lot of people asked them, or oh, they ain't had a heart for this, they ain't had a heart for that, they didn't have heart for that. But a lot of them, are, you know, broke right now. You know, a lot of them staying, you know, in old folks' homes, or you know, staying, you know, by themselves and completely broke and you know have nothing. And, um, you know, for myself, you know, even when I first, when I first, my first, pro, when I first signed Al, you know, Al was talking about, you know, finances and talking about, you know, setting me up, you know, to, you know, for life after boxing. And, you know, I'm like, I'm like 21, 22 years old. I'm like, man, what this dude talking about, <laughs> man? Like, so he talking about retirement come on career after boxing and all nah, this and that. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, hey, I have got started yet. Like he talking about, you know, finances and career after boxing. Like, man, I'm trying to get stuff started. Yeah. Like, but, you know, as now, like, you know, I see I see why that, you know, he was talking about that and like we talk about it to this day and, you know, just set me up financially where, you know, I'll be okay, you know, after boxing and You know, I won't be one of those stories or one of those guys, you know, a great champion, but, you know, I have nothing to show for it, you know. Interesting. Just just have great fights where, you know, they keep showing on TV, but I have nothing to show for it financially or anything like that. You know, I don't want to be one of those people. Um,
0: Once your days of boxing are over, and you said probably about round 35 you want to be Mm. out, will you become an actual promoter?
1: Uh, Nah, that's too much work. Mm. Yeah, because a lot of these, something wrong with a lot of these boxes, man. Like, a lot of these boxes mentally, man, messed up in the head, So I ain't got time to be babysitting boxes, a whole bunch of boxes. I can see myself having, you know, two or three boxes. Yeah. But having, like, a whole stable of different boxes, nah, because a lot of them got too many problems.
0: Last but not least, by the end of this year, Errol Spence Jr. will be
1: one of the greatest 147 pounders of all time mm,
0: by the end of this year.
1: Definitely, if, if, the way I see it, yeah, one of the greatest 147 pounders of all time.
0: That's that means that you probably be that you would have to be undisputed. I
1: don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. You know what I love more? Actually, getting in the ring with you. That was. That was oh, awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was dope. That, that was, was awesome. That yeah. was
0: awesome. <laughs> and, and let me say, I know you ain't, you ain't manned down anyone in a while, but them punches hurt. <laughs> I can attest to that. <laughs> sure, the punches yes. hurt, because I'm still sore. <laughs> but that was a lot of fun. Oh yeah, yeah, and, yeah that was cool. Uh, folks, that's what we do. We bring you the biggest names in the sport, and i am tell you what, none get bigger than narrow Spence Jr. I always appreciate you, my man. Thank you, man. I always appreciate you. Appreciate you. Uh, thanks for watching everybody. We'll see you again next week.